Hello, welcome to the Love Rosie podcast, the show discussing the 2014 film Love Rosie, five minutes at a time, with Helen Asprey and Luke Allen. I'm one of your hosts, Luke Allen. I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Ellen Asprey. Hello. And we're here to tackle the next five minutes of Love Rosie. Um, we still don't know what we're doing since last week. No, but, hence why um, Luke's introdu- like, introducing us right now, because I don't know what to do. But. Yeah, but the introducing being literally stealing the introduction I've done for two other shows because I don't have the brain power to think of anything different. So we're on, we're going to be reaching 10 minutes into the film, yeah, which is exciting. Mm. Um, this is very uh, dialogue This heavy. is when the film starts to get painful. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there are a few kind of bleh, about this scene, I would say. Yeah. About this five minutes. Um, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about it because I think mm-hmm. it's today that we've got what I consider to be possibly one of or the saddest scene in the entire film. No, it's not that sad. <laughs> there's, well, yeah, there's... Uh, I guess you do kind of feel yeah. a bit sad for Rosie. I th- yeah, I think so. It's the, it's this one. For me, it's a tie between this and... okay. We haven't discussed. Can we? I assume we can talk about other parts in the film because we assume our listeners have seen it, right? Yeah. Yeah. For me, the the saddest scenes are a tie between the one at the end of this and um, the scene where he wasn't ready to be a father anyway. Those those are my two kind of sad moments. And I have also forgotten the literal death that happens. That's also sad, obviously. I cried in the montage when it was the little kid, her little kid growing up. Yes. Casey. No, that's fair. That's fair. But it's yeah. isn't that more happy crying or we? I don't know. I don't know. I just I was like, oh, I don't want this to happen to me. Because you, you you don't yeah. So you don't cry at films half as much as I do. So I can't even no. like consider it Although, a good thing. The film, for a film, the film I'm recommending, the end of this episode, oh, got me in a meltdown. I've I started seeing it and I hadn't had the chance to finish. Um, okay. But I. You, we'll talk yeah. about it after, it's fine. We will. <laughs> we, 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 we've literally been talking about how we're going to end the episode for the first five minutes <laughs> of this okay. recording. It's right. okay, it's okay. Um, right. So, shall we... Yeah, yeah. Let's start. <laughs> we're in Rosie's room from the last scene, and they're talking, and they're, they speak very friendly, you know, you know they're best friends from this conversation. And uh, Alex continues what he was saying last time uh, with the words every day for a fortnight could be worse Bethany Williams has just got a part time job there yeah right what? Bethany Williams Hmm? forget it even I want to sleep with her for your information she has been giving me the eye and it's yeah it's it, I, I noted at this point, and it comes back later, the rhythm of their conversation is really interesting. Yeah. Because they've got random pauses in places, but that's so great because it's about like the comfort of silence. Um, yeah, and they kind of bounce off each, each other really well, I think, as well. Mm. And apologies to all the listeners that my phone just pinged during <laughs> me delivering that. So I'm going to put my phone on silent and pretend silent that we're a professional it. show. Uh Right, there is a, there's a bit of, like next that I picked up on. Do you want to do you want to read it out? Because there's not really much to say in that first kind of bit, other than they're just kind of friends that are speaking. I think it's also quite clear that Rosie is a little bit jealous of Bethany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But I mean, who wouldn't be? She says, uh, um, she was probably wondering why you haven't squeezed that zit on your forehead. Yeah. And this is, I'm going to just butt in here. Zit, is that American? I think so. But this is also, like, especially being 2000 and, when are we saying this is? I hadn't worked out the time. About 14, 2000 and... 14, no, but but this but then this is 12 years earlier. So this is about 2002, 2003. Okay. And that is um, that's the thing. Did we say like would people say zit then? There was a lot of American television then. Yeah. So it possibly got picked up, but it's an interesting choice. I did I I said it was kind of interesting, but also because she's originally American, I kind of assumed that it was just like a mistake that she did. But I, you wouldn't know, I guess. Maybe. Uh, but I don't think it's completely irrational for people to use American terms. No, no, but I just I thought it was quite interesting other than like spots or, you know. Yeah. I think it would have been weirder if it was pimple. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, let's yeah, move on from it's... spots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so his response... You should probably just wonder why you haven't squeezed that zit on your forehead. They played a clip from this on um, BBC Radio 5 uh, and this was the clip that they played when they were promoting the film and they kept the F word in as far as I'm aware because he mumbles it under his breath I guess they didn't notice but this was BBC Radio 5 Yeah, and that's weird um, I could be slightly wrong this is on uh, Kermode and Mayo's film review um, when they were talking about the film and then Rosie says oh come here I can do it for you don't touch me don't you dare ow and that, that's just the kind of Exchange, and then that kind of, that's just like the end of the little bedroom scene. Mm. That's That came out wrong. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that. I was thinking, I know exactly what you mean, but yeah, it's, um, and that might be the other thing, actually, is we could talk about the setting of the bedroom and how I think that's, I wouldn't say a common place for, uh, at as teenagers at this mm-hmm. point that they are, I don't think male and female friends would hang about in their bedroom no, I, you can tell that they've obviously been brought up best friends. They've yeah. literally known everything. But you, yeah, you can kind of tell that they're just like best friends. They're used to everything, so nothing's weird to them. Yeah, it's kind of the the stages in which things start to become awkward among people. They kind of yeah. had already become desensitised to, in a way. Um, Should we go straight to the beach? Yeah, let's do it. And the song that we hear is Awake by Electric Guest, which is from their debut album Mondo which I believe is Italian for world. It's just because there's a, there's a song in About Time called Il Mondo that I remember that from. Um, and it was released April 24th, 2012. And I cannot find out who wrote this, but probably someone from Electric Guest. I've realised how much I like this song. I've never heard it before, but I like it. I think it's quite good. To be honest, I didn't even pick up on it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Bethany is yeah. a bit of an object here. Yes. In shot, isn't she? You also, I have, an interesting, I have an interesting fact. Uh, Bethany Williams, who is played by... I'm, guess, I'm guessing you say Suki? Yeah, I'm not sure. I've Suki just Waterhouse. written it down. Um, yeah, she actually is going out with Robert Pattinson. Huh. Yeah. That is interesting. Very, yeah. Um, you did more research into the cast than I knew. <laughs> no, actually, my sister was watching um, Twilight the other day, and she said that, you know Bethany Williams from Ro- Love, Rosie? She's going out with Robert Pattinson. And I was like, wow, that's an interesting fact. <laughs> it is. I still haven't seen the Twilight movies. I 
feel like I both should and shouldn't. Mm. Um, but yeah. I mean, they're only good when you've kind of grown up with them. Yeah, Other I hear that, they're like, kind of. Ooh. I hear they're kind of lovably awful. Yeah, it's kind of. And um, also, like once you've read the books, like my mum's read all the books. She's obsessed with the films because of just that, like yeah. nostalgia, I guess. Um, but yeah, not right now. I wouldn't. I wouldn't watch them randomly. Like I know that. there were some age rating issues with the film. That's what interests me. <laughs> <laughs> really boring stuff. Uh, but we'll save that for the Twilight podcast. That will never happen. Um, but. Uh, um, but yeah, that is interesting that she's played by Zuki Waterhouse, who was in The Bad Bunch and Insurgent. But she's not. I, I she wasn't in any of the other films in the. I, I can't remember how many of the like Divergent, Insurgent, whatever I saw. I were they good? I can't remember. <laughs> um, they're good for like just a sit down, have on the have on in the background, or like a late night mm. kind of adventure. You know, they look very similar to the Hunger Games, in my opinion. I was going to say Hunger Games, Divergent, Maze Runner, like all of those have kind of got so mixed up in my head. I don't know which ones I've seen. Yeah, they they are all similar, but I think the main fans of those films are the people that read the books. Hunger Games, obviously a little different on now. We're studying it. I do know yeah. that one a lot better mm-hmm. and and like it a lot better than I thought. Um, yeah. I, think I think Divergent, Maze Runner and the Hunger Games are enjoyable films. They're just not, you know, they're not that good, but they are enjoyable films. We also see Greg, who's played by Christian Cook, who was in a couple of episodes of Doctor Who and was in Cemetery Junction, which is a really good movie that I forgot about until I read that. It's um, a comedy drama written and directed by Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant, um, who I I watch pretty much everything they do. I love (laughs) the Gervais and Merchant pairing. Um, And I completely forgot it existed until I saw this did the research for this and now i really really want to watch it so <laughs> that may be my film of the week next week if i watch it um, and it holds up to how good i remember it being um but yeah alex says just look at greg right now what a bimbo seriously what though you invited me to the school dance see i'm just gonna stop you, you there he yeah, is sure. not attractive in my opinion he is not attractive he's also one of them who i feel they all do to an extent, but he looks way older, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he does not look like an 18-year-old. I would say Bethany. How old was she? Do you know how old she was in this? I didn't no, I can that. find out. I researched how old um, Alex and Rosie were. Let's find I'm Bethany. guessing she was about 24. That's my guess. Let's find out. And we'll cut and edit this so smooth that, like, you know, they'll never know this. <laughs> oh, this very second I go and load up I browser and I've had another donation for Reduce to Clear. Hang on. Hello, it's Luke from Editing here, and I realise that most of you listening probably don't know what Reduce to Clear is. Reduce to Clear is a comedy short film that I am co-directing and co-writing with a friend, Alex Yusefi, and Ellen is doing some of the art directing for, so it's something that I'm kind of working on alongside the podcast, um, and I'll probably end up referencing it a few times over the course of the show. Oh, wow. See how much this was. It's probably completely stupid tangent here but it's nice that things are coming through because i made a, a lot of today i've spent sending the link to the people who i've got on twitter who have a load of followers and asking them to share it oh that's good Ooh, we just had 120 pounds what <laughs> what <laughs> well thank you to whoever this is oh my gosh oh that's so good Oh, it's so nice that all these people have so much faith in you guys. 
What are we on now? We're at £997. We're three pounds away from the grand that we're trying to raise. That's insane. <laughs> and what was it at the beginning like? It was originally 750 We then yeah. pushed it to a grand, but I was like, we've got a month to raise a grand. I'm like, this is going to be tough. We're three pounds away. <laughs> you got to make Sorry. it, you got to make it like... <laughs> 1,250 now. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm wondering whether people will just mind us to keep pushing it. And keep pushing it. Right, she was born 1992. Um, so, 21. Okay. Uh, at point of filming, I'm guessing. My, my my estimate as to point of filming is just a year before release date. Yeah. Anyway, and I, we didn't, I think I didn't she passes as, 18, as an 18-year-old. Yeah, I think she does. But, but I, mean, I feel like, like Christian Cook does films. not have kind of people that play 18 year olds that look about 20 like i couldn't play an 18 year old looking like the way i look i'd get away with paying like a 12 year old it is strange the way that these things work because when you watch the odd teen movie or tv show or whatever mm-hmm. when they have actual teenagers they feel so young yeah. and it's just like like i was watching it and it's you know it's like hold up, they can't be doing and saying that. They're like 12. And it's like, no, they're not. They're literally the same age as me, but I think they're 12 because yeah. I'm so used to seeing people nearly 30. It was like, um, um, the what's it called? Oh, I forgot what it's called. It's not very good. It's on Netflix. Uh, to All the Boys I've Loved Before. Mm. Lara Jean's sister is the same age as me and you. And she plays like a really, like a 12 year old, I think. Like just a young sister. And I was like, oh. And Lara Jean was like, 18? Yeah, it's so it's so me. odd. Well, it's like when I was making Unstable, I'll be honest, I'd cast adult actors to play adult characters and then people afterwards took it as a teen movie about growing up and I was like, sure, I'll take that, but <laughs> the actors are 19 and 21, but yeah. sure, it's a teen movie now, I guess. Yeah, because people yeah. were like... It's weird because when you see them in person, you go, oh, this is... So like Helen, when we were doing Unstable, she was 20, she turned 21 on set, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um... And we were filming with her, and it was like, oh, it's just me filming with the 20-year-old actress. But the moment you film it, put it on screen and show it to people, people are like, well, what is she, about 15, 16? Yeah. And it's like, because your assumption is instantly to just mm-hmm. de-age them? Yeah. It's fascinating. Um, so it's how like, old when, when do you, you think... The, when you sh- sorry, sorry, when you showed me the film, I, I asked, like, how old are they? Because I said they must have been yeah. hard to work with people your age. Didn't I? Yeah. People... I did. How weird yeah, is that? It's, it's, it is odd, because when you actually see them... I, I wouldn't say out in the wild, but when you were actually there with them, mm-hmm. you're like, no, they're not teenagers. I mean, yeah. they look young, which is great, obviously. Um, but no, they're not teenagers, yeah. but they look it because you've been trained when watching them on screen to assume that they're younger. Yeah. It's it's so odd. They, we were having a chat about that when we were filming because they were talking about, um, I think it was Helen was like having a chat. She was like, what's my playing age? And they was, and mm-hmm. like the other actors were saying, oh, probably about 14 to 16. And it's like, what? <laughs> oh, another donation. No, no. Um, let's see what this one is. <laughs> it's probably like three pounds because we're trying to hit a grand. We yeah. were three pound away. What's this last one? Yes. That's it. We've hit a thousand. We've hit a grand. That's incredible. On call as well. I can keep this in, maybe. Oh, that's brilliant. No, that's so sweet. Sorry, we should get back to Love Rosie in a second. (laughs) Yeah, we talked a bit about Bethany because she comes over to Alex. Hey, Alex, I missed you at the library today. And we get a lot of shots of her from her legs with a focus on her skirt blowing, which is like she's very objectified. And not as an individual person like Rosie has seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think that's something quite consistent with Bethany throughout the film. Yeah. Is that she's objectified. Um, 
I mean, she's this, objectified this... again in the next bit. Yeah, and but this felt more blatant than anything. Yeah, really. Definitely. Yeah, you could even go as far as yeah. In the next bit, she's objectified to the point of the fact that the announcement isn't that he and Bethany slept together, but the announcement is that he's not a virgin anymore. Yeah. She was just there to help him fulfill his desire. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Yeah. That's, how, that's how I saw it. Um, but yeah, in their conversation, Bethany says, I miss you at the library today, and he says, Yeah, uh, I, had, I had nothing. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, it was with a, with a busy. Don't be a stranger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah ab- absolutely not. <laughs> and what a strange I... thing to say. Don't be a stranger. Yes, that's <laughs> that's not how teenagers speak. No, like, it's a thing it's that people so say, weird. but it's a thing that middle-aged people say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not a thing... It's it's very odd, um, and the way she says it as well. I mean, we'll probably put it into the podcast so you can hear. But don't be a stranger. It was just a bit weird, in my opinion. It it also I don't know whether you saw it like this. It may just be from my own experiences of situations of the, of that way, which is that it felt like the way that she went up to him and talked to him and then went off was like when someone's kind of winding you up. Like I know when I was a few mm-hmm. like early secondary like school joking. there were several yeah there were several girls who'd come up to me and kind of be very clearly jokingly flirty in order to basically take the mick or almost maybe they'd been dared to kind of thing and that's more how this came across to me than yeah. anything genuine and i think that's why, why it's, it's so, so strange, strange the next yeah. bit because you don't expect it i don't think yeah i did i didn't from this assume that she at any point felt the same about alex no I, yeah, I, like you, I thought it was a joke, to be honest. And I was like, oh, his his re- like react when he was speaking to her was just a bit, yeah, no. Um, but yeah, so the, the rhythm of the conversation between Alex and Bethany, whereas I discussed earlier with Rosie that there's they're comfortable in the silence with each other, <laughs> Alex fills it with ums and ers, like he's so scared of leaving any silence and he's so uncomfortable with her that I think it's just really, really good filmmaking. Yeah. Um. Okay, so we cut into yeah. the computer room now, don't we? No, we don't. Um, no, there's yeah, there's a little, there's a little, a little bit. More. Oh there's yeah, there's quite an exchange here. I've completely <laughs> forgot about. Right. Um, so Alex says, "Yeah, absolutely not. I'll see you there." And Bethany says, "Hey, girls, what what did he say to you?" And then Rose Pathetic. goes, Pathetic. She's mine for the taking. You're lucky she didn't trip over your tongue, dragging halfway across the ground. Oh, okay. All right. I'll give you some tips then, if you're so clever. How do I go about seducing a woman who's apparently out of my league? This is another thing. The word seduce, it doesn't particularly suggest romantic relationship. No, no. It, it's all for him to have that aim goal of losing his virginity. And that's kind of obvious, yeah. I think. Hmm. I'm glad we got this story over and done with in the five minutes. <laughs> like, we're not trying to do, like, Love, Rosie Does American Pie. We're, you know, we're mm-hmm. doing... yeah. It's quite interesting how quickly this all have, takes place over. I don't know why, but I think because the film has this kind of fast pacer through their lives, yeah. when you're watching it, it feels like there's a lot longer between this and between the email. Yeah. I think, but it's yeah. literally like I was really minutes. confused when I saw this in this section. I was like, oh, wow, that's quick. <laughs> yeah. That's a serious question. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, well, you're at a disadvantage being a, you know, no, no, no. Okay. We can work with that. First, you have to be cool. Ignore her. Act like you could take it or leave it. See that? I practice that. Mm. 
Uh, second, you have to make her feel like you've seen something in her no one else has. Like, her soul. My note here literally just said this is so, so sad to watch. <laughs> I did notice that. While also ignoring it. Yes. <laughs> okay, and, and what, what happened to the sex? This is about the sex. I do quite like this because he like the fact that he now sees that the only reason he's going with Bethany is to help Rosie. Yeah, and I think it is clearly unsettling for both the whole conversation. Yeah. They don't want that conversation. They want to go together, yeah. but here they are. <sighs> yeah. It's it's such a beautifully painful film. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> and it it gets a little bit better later on, I think, as you see the great things of their lives, but it's weird. You watch it, especially first time round. Other viewings, like I was fine. But I had like a massive like pit in my stomach for most of the film the first time round. It was just like, Oh, this is awful. I'd hate for this to happen. Yeah, but it's um, like they both have different lives, but they're both successful because I mean Rosie ends up with her dream and I guess so does he. Yeah. But it's just They've gone different routes and it's just kind of, I don't know, it is very sad in my opinion. We don't actually focus that much on him getting his dream, do we, in this? No. I'm trying to think. Does How much do we find out about him? Well, I mean, he Cause goes I, to... Because I know what happens in the book that I'm getting it mixed up with the film now. Does he go to Harvard? Harvard. He does, doesn't he? I think so, yeah. But does he actually become, like, a top surgeon well, in I mean, the film? Or is that just the book? <laughs> maybe... I think he does because I mean, from his house. Mm. Yeah, he becomes a in the book. He becomes a top surgeon, and he ends up meeting Bethany again because her dad is his boss. And I think they become partners, and like, it's really interesting. They have like a they have like oh, a big big wedding because he becomes like a, like a celebrity surgeon. It's very odd. Yeah, that's but a lot it's like difference to the film. Yeah, because yeah, we'll we'll talk about it when it comes closer. To we that. don't see a ton of Alex's life no, other than what Rosie sees, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. Um, would you would you well, like would you like to see more of his like would have you liked to have seen it in a way but i think it would disturb the flow of the film yeah there's a couple of moments i can think of where it's quite odd that we do jump to alex's perspective on a couple of things but yeah oh, um, we'll get to that when we get to that um and uh, so yeah i noticed here as well that the the breaks in the rhythm of the conversation once again i know i've talked about it a lot this week but it's yeah. very present here mm-hmm. there is silence and it's fine like it, their their dialogue is very slow paced, and there are pauses at random points, but neither of them are bothered. They're so comfortable with each other that it's really sweet. Take her. It means that much to you. You don't know where to go with. Uh, I got asked by the fittest guy in our year, Alex. I think I'm fine. Yeah, no awkward silences. Silence is just of just normal. Yeah, and I think it's really well that you that that can be directed by Christian Ditter. Like it's it's quite a lot of because you you could easily look at a film script and go, okay, it's line then line then line then line. To be able to just add these little pauses, mm-hmm. these little moments is amazing. Um, I'd to love make to them sound see... like true best friends, even though they probably yeah. didn't even know each other beforehand. Mm. Yeah, I'd love to see the script. So if anyone's listening who has access to the script, send it over, email it to us. Uh, loverosiepod at gmail.com 
because uh, it fascinates me. Like, I'd love to see how this was written. Yeah. Uh, but I have searched the web for the screenplay, and as far as I'm aware, it's not in the public domain. Um, but yeah, who knows? Maybe someone involved in the film is listening and can send us a copy. I hope so. Yeah, then we cut to the, the computer room now. Yeah, I think so. Is yeah. there any more dialogue here? Oh, well, we just got him saying, um, okay, well, right, well, I'll ask her then. Go for it. Okay, oh, fine. Then, yeah. I will. And then he stands up and walks over. Yeah, and he walks over and he says, Bethany, Bethany, hi. And she says, hey, yeah. And then we cut to the classroom. And it's interesting, um, though, their contact, the way he kind of goes over. He seems a lot more confident. Yeah. As if, if, as if he kind of wasn't comfortable with saying stuff in front of Rosie because he didn't want to hurt her in any way. Or maybe he's even more confident because he knows that he's helping Rosie now. Yeah, yeah, maybe. That's interesting. But, yeah, it's it's fascinating. I um, think I've said, and we cut to the computer room about five times. Yeah, but this time we do. This time we do, yeah. <laughs> um, um, in the computer classroom, and I've noted here that this might be one of the saddest scenes in the film. You did say that. Um yeah, because so early on, I didn't expect a scene like this when I first watched it. So something bothered me, which I think you saw in my notes and we touched upon before recording, yeah. which is their profile pictures. Mm-hmm. Now, it's very common with films that they will ask the actors to send photos of themselves younger for like set dressing and things like that. But they're both playing 18. They seem to be photos of them when they're 18, but it's not them now. And it doesn't really make sense to me why their profile pictures couldn't just be them now. Because yeah. we're... S- it's, yeah, I don't know the best way to word it to the listeners if they don't understand what it is. I'm going to read my note exactly. Which is, their profile pictures seem to be younger photos of the actors. Strange choices, these actors are playing that age anyway. Why not just have a photo of Claflin and Collins playing 18 rather than photos of them as 18? It takes away from the film a bit. Obviously, it's a tiny, cynical part of me because no, no think... one notices first time around. No, I haven't noticed it, but I think it is actually interesting. But also, perhaps... You know, in all school photos, even my school one now, I'd look nothing like that. So yeah, it's interesting. Fair. Like I don't know, like maybe they wanted it to look younger because that's the what that's what they looked like when they were in high school. Yeah, it, it could be. It could be that it's supposed to be like photos of them when they were like year seven or whatever. Yeah. But it's it's just odd. It it didn't feel if it, it felt like unnecessary extra yeah. work. Yeah, I um, agree. And. At the time, uh, the film came out in 2014, so I'll assume that this was shot in 2013, uh, when Collins was 23 and Claflin was 26. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rosie says to Alex, she says, your face is annoying me. And he says, come on, I've got news. And we hear this in voiceover, but it's while they're typing. I don't like that. Um, I don't like it. I'm just going to say it. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Because I think, I don't know, I think it kind of, it would have been more interesting to read it because it'd be like, oh, yes. What I liked though, whilst I found the voiceover was odd because we don't really get it at any other point. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we do. We actually. have her... We do at some point. Do we? There's an email that she's sending to him. Oh yeah. And she's like that's confessing true. her love. Yes. Yeah. That's true. We do hear that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, she says, "Me too. I need to concentrate so I can pass my exams and get a life." But I love the fact that the message becomes more, which I think is why we've got the voiceover, is when he types the message she receives, virgin boy is no longer. That is not said. So we've got the the voiceover for yeah. this. And then the, when the message comes through, it's complete silence. And I think that makes it more kind of jarring for the, yeah, I guess for so. the audience. Yeah. 
Your face is annoying me. Come on. I've got news. Me too. I need to concentrate so I can pass my exams and get a life. But it is such an odd, odd choice. It is, yeah, I think I don't, yeah, I wasn't too keen. And so he sends the message, Virgin Boy is no longer. We don't hear it. We just see it typed. And then he says, hello, still there? And Rosie responds, so who's the unlucky girl? Not Bethany. And then Bethany is what he types out. <laughs> uh, so, which is, oh, it's so sad. Um, Where's my copy of the book? Um, because I, I wrote a note about the book this time. Like, I, I did good prep with this one. <laughs> um, pages 18 and 19, because the whole book is email exchanges. And since this scene is an important, genuine exchange, I thought it may be worth just reading from the book. Yeah. For a moment. Um, I'll go from here, where Alex says, Do you not want to hear my news? Um, nope. Well, I'm telling you anyway. Okay, what's the big exciting news? Well, you can eat your words, my friend, because Virgin Boy is no longer. Hello? You still there? Rosie, come on, stop messing. She says, sorry, I seem to have fallen off my chair and knocked myself out. Had an awful dream. You said you're no longer a virgin boy. He said, no dream. I suppose that means you won't be wearing your underwear over those tights anymore. I have no need for underwear at all now. And she says, ugh, so who's the unlucky girl? And then we just have a little side thing that says, please don't say Bethany, please don't say Bethany. And he says, tough sh it's Bethany. Hello? Rosie? What? Well, say, well, what? Well, say something. I don't really know what you want me to say, Alex. I think you need to get yourself some male friends because I'm not going to slap you on the back and ask for gory details. And that's that's where I'm going to leave it. Yeah. Um, but I just thought that might be it. Might be worth comparing the email exchange to the exchange. It is in the similar. Book. It is similar. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, I don't know whether I said when we we're talking about the uh, the, the pictures, uh, the profile pictures we earlier have, on. Yeah. Lily Collins was 23 and Sam Claflin was 26. Um, mm -hmm. how how did you perceive them as teenagers when watching the film? Because it took me first time round, it took me a while to realise they were teenagers, because but mostly because I was familiar with the actors from other things when they were older. Oh, okay. When I watched it, I just saw them as eighteen year olds. Just assumed it. I thought That's they were fair. actually younger, to be honest. And then we got the teacher. Not Bethany. Right, Rosie Dunn, get yourself down to the headmaster's office. No, 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 it was, it was my fault, Mrs Simpson. I, I had something I needed to tell her. So I see, Alex. Congratulations. He puts it on screen and it's like, that's not I right. hate this, yes. No, it isn't, it isn't. It's, for one, you don't project the conversation onto a screen where the whole class can see. Yeah. And then the fact that they all applaud. Yeah. Alex, for what? Yes. For what? It's the film's objectification of Bethany mm -hmm. once again. But it's oh and yeah, the, the the projecting it on screen just felt so wrong. Like the teacher could have made a kind of joke, oh so I see, you know, I I, I have access to whatever. He can make a comment like that, that's fine. But the idea of projecting it on screen to the entire class Yeah. It seems is way too much. Yeah. Also, is it just me or is they're cheering way too fast? They didn't have time to read that before they cheered. It's it's a kind of like cynical thing, but the moment he puts it on screen, everyone goes woo. Yeah. It's like no, there is a there, like. <laughs> there's a lot to read they, beforehand. Yeah, there's a lot to read. Is there anything more to say about the classroom? Other than, I mean, they all applaud him, you know, for losing his virginity. Does this like 
Do you think this affects Rosie and her thing, like her actions in the next scene? Maybe, maybe, because she, she, because yeah, the next bit we see is that they're not talking to each other, is what we see yeah. later on, and we're not entirely sure why. I don't think it's just they stop talking to each other. No, they, um, they haven't stopped speaking to each other yet. No, but I mean, like ne- next next oh, next dialogue we get, yeah. which is next week, is he says, "I know we're not talking," which is just odd. Yeah, I think it seems a bit odd. There, there, there's obviously some jealousy. She's jealous of him somehow. Yeah. Um, and then when we leave the the classroom, we just get a bit of a shot of Alex leaving his house, preparing to cross the road over to Rosie's house, Amazing. which I don't think is actually like explicitly said in the film that they live right opposite each other but it's it's so sweet no no i think it makes um, sense though you yeah. don't really think about it because you kind of know that they're best friends okay. well it's 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 the, it's the whole um even though it's over the road instead it's very much the girl next door trope yeah I yeah think. but um, then also a thing that i didn't really see much in the, in the film was the family relationship as a whole like yes well like parents to parents yeah because that's yes. surely how they've met and how they're like they've grown up being friendly. Yeah, it would have been nice to have seen a little more. Yeah. Even the book doesn't really delve into that. Mm. There's tiny bits, but it would be quite nice to have like more emails from like Alex's mum to Rosie's mum. Yeah, and, I think I would have liked that you know. more. Like see more family yeah. dynamic. Uh, well, similarly, something which I, when analysing about time, realise, and I think we'll find the same here, when we get to know each of their friends, is I'd like to see a lot more of their friends interacting with each other as well. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's a big rom-com trope of here's these people and the f- characters that surround them, here's the other person, the characters around them, and the the characters rarely meet each other. They're kind of just there to support each protagonist, Yeah, I think. Um, with the odd exception, I think... Oh, why have I forgotten his name? He was on the top of my head a second ago. Um, uh, what's Alex's friend called? Phil. I think Phil and Ruby meet, don't they? At the wedding at the end. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't. I don't know. Don't. Don't. I could be getting it mixed up with another film. I feel like <laughs> I feel like we get enough of Rosie. Rosie's friend, Ruby. Yes. Is is is, is her name Ruby? Ruby. Yeah, I yeah. believe so. Yeah. When when we meet Ruby, there's a lot more to say about that. But I do love the fact that we see the meeting of the friend. Yeah. Because you don't get that in rom coms. No. Like it's normally here are their friends they already have. Yeah. No, I really I love like the that fact bit, that we yeah. see the meeting. I mean, it was awful, but I like that bit a lot. Yeah. So have uh, we get the shot? There's some lovely, lovely music um, at this point, which is just I love the film soundtrack so much. <laughs> I had I had my Alexa playing it the other day while I was doing the sweeping. It was like let's just listen to some Love Rosie score, and it's just. Oh. I guess this episode was a little bit there wasn't really much to say for this episode I wouldn't say no I, I'm intrigued to see how short the final cut of this episode's going to be yeah because we've talked for an hour and a half but but <laughs> I may feel be like 20 minutes of good episode and... yeah yeah but I think either way like we've we did that five minutes you know yeah, and we're, we're, we're still trying to realise how this show goes. Yeah. Which potentially, unless you do Film of the Week first, leads really well into our question of the week. Let's just do that. So the question of the week. So last week, we asked you listeners, although many weeks ago at point of listening, we put a post up on our social media asking how long each episode of our show should be. 
and we're going to read through some of the answers that we've received. So one person said 30 to 45 minutes, which I think is a pretty... That's good. I think we should I, do... I could, yeah, yeah we, I think we might do that. I think we'll likely be that. I think mm-hmm. the odd tangent episode... Or I think a guest episode will probably push past the hour. But yeah, 30 to 45 minutes is a pretty good suggestion. I mean, that's kind of what I said, uh, wasn't it? Around that yeah, time. Yeah, I think so. Maybe 20 minutes, I said. But I think yeah. 30 minutes is kind of... You know, it's half an hour. It's, yeah, that's, that's it's a good, pretty solid. good, nice length. Yeah. Um, we also had one which said 7 to 10 minutes. I like the bite-sized clips. I assume that's in comment to... Uh, video clips that we put up on our social media for yeah. the link to each episode which we'll still be posting even if each episode is like five hours long we'll still have five minute clips <laughs> seven to ten minutes so i don't think we're ever going to manage to trim the down down the show to 10 minutes but um no there, we, we're talking about five about minutes of the episode so the yeah. the film <laughs> yeah so the, the clips will be there and yeah they're available for those of you who don't listen want to listen to the whole show which is really stupid to say because if you don't want to listen to the whole show, you're not hearing me now. But um, yeah, no, the, clips the clips for are those there. people yeah. are, are there on our socials, on the MXM hub, on... Uh, that's it, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then finally, we had one suggestion, which was a seven-hour director's cut. And I will say that suggestion came from James, who did a four-and-a-half-hour-long podcast recording with me once. So he, James knows we don't want to keep the full versions in. No, I don't think anyone will listen to us for seven hours, unfortunately. Um, but but yeah, th- thanks for that suggestion. Thank, thank you. That was our that was our question of the week. Mm-hmm. What's our question this week? Favorite films. Just film favorite recommendations. Films. We'll yes, and we can read out one of your film recommendations in next week's episode. The topic of film recommendations. Ellen, what's your film of the week? Yeah, no. So my film recommendation is uh, Shannon Murphy's film uh, Baby Teeth. She's been nominated for a BAFTA. Um, and I think it, I think it deserves it. Honestly, um, I'm looking forward to see the results of the like the winners. I watched the first half hour after you recommended it to mm-hmm. me, and I'm gonna try and watch more tomorrow. Yeah, I really liked it. I, I think it's it's I, a very uh, right. It kind of contradicts everything we've spoken about. It is a it is an artsy film, but I would say if you just go in and watch it as you would watch um, like a big budget film. Um, yeah. I think you'll kind of have a really good experience watching it. It's a really it takes a film. while to get into the zone, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, because the half hour I was in, I can't remember what I had to go off and do afterwards. But after I saw the first half hour, I was kind of like, I was, I just clicked it. I think it's something you need to, you need to commit that. There's, yeah, there's you need films to. That you, watch you, need you have to commit, to commit that even if it's bad, you're going to see it all the way through. And I think once you commit, you find yourself getting more invested rather than spending the first half hour thinking, I don't know, do I want to turn this off? Like, just tell yourself, no, you're not turning it off. You've got to try and find some enjoyment and then you will. See, honestly... Uh, which I know is very odd to say. For a good film, force yourself through it. But it, I, from what I've seen so far, I liked it. I wouldn't... Honestly, like, I would say because you're probably... I mean, if you've watched arts, like a lot of artsy films, you're obviously used to it. But... Um, if you're somebody that has doesn't really know what the difference is between an artsy film and a normal film, then this is an artsy film, but it's also, I don't know, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I don't know. It's not overly artsy, at least from what I've seen. Like it's yeah, accessible. It's, it's like a nice. It's a pretty film, like you just you've got to watch it and just kind of yeah. Don't let the artsiness realize, kind of turn you yeah, off to it. Realize the fact that the artsiness is kind of nothing really to do with the film in a sense. Yeah, that's fair. Like, this film could easily be big budget, non-artsy, non-niche, you know what I mean? 
But... That's that's good for the the, the story yeah. carries it. That's, yeah, that's important. I think so anyway, and I I really mm. recommend it. And also, it's because you know she's been nominated for a BAFTA. This is in reflection of her nomination, and I highly recommend you go watch it because it is a really pretty film and it's a really nice film. That's so much of a better recommendation than than mine. It's Begin Again, which is probably not as yep. renowned as some of the other films I've mentioned, but oh, I love this so much. It's one of my favorite films. It's Kira Knightley. Of and course, Mark of course. Yeah. And Kira Knightley is a struggling musician, and Mark Ruffalo is like a talent manager or a music producer. I can't remember. Yeah, producer. Actually. It kind of reminds and me he of has her, Richard Curtis's like, film uh, yesterday. Yes, mm. yes, it does. Yeah, it's very totally similar. It, it was, it was lovely. It's sweet, and it's um, and Kira Knightley can really sing. <laughs> it's kind of like, why has she not sung in anything at all ever? Yeah, Begin Again is just lovely and sweet. And at time of recording, it leaves Prime in just over one day. So it will not be streaming for the listeners. No, <laughs> but, shame. Oh, also, yeah, Baby um, Teeth. You can watch it on Netflix. As long, I think mm-hmm. it, I think it's staying up there. Um, if not, I'm sure you know other streaming places have it. But I watched it on Netflix. I, I mean, to be honest, I'm going to say it. This podcast has been all over the place. Uh but yeah. I, hope it... I hope the edit makes it sound lovely and smooth. <laughs> but we've been talking for one hour 34 at this point. Yeah. We've had many tangents and interruptions that will definitely be cut out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been fun. Yeah, it's been fun. I mean... Is this still shorter than episode one? I think episode one episode... went on for ages. That was like three hours. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like there's a lot more to talk about because obviously we're talking about you know, the, the uh, actors themselves and stuff. And also this scene, yeah. there wasn't really much to speak about other than, because you know, you, you had that dialogue. Yeah, so. it's kind of, we just went, oh, that's sad. And then yeah. that was kind of, that, that, that was our coverage for the week. <laughs> we it. talked a little bit about the camera's objectification, which is probably mm. about as film studiesy as we're going to get on this show. Because um, I don't think we go I mean, really I, deep I, into we this. Would, yeah, I think it would be quite interesting to speak a bit more about the camera angles and all this and that. But like a lot of the people watching are probably not people that would understand, so... Do we just go straight to our socials now? Have we got anything else uh, to discuss this, so. this episode? No, there's nothing else. No, I don't think so. Uh, if the listeners want to get in touch with the podcast, they can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at LoveRosiePod. And Ellen, where can they find you on social media? Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ellen Asprey. And it's there's a dot in Instagram, isn't there? Is there? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I think, I think, I think they a... could be. I think they could be. Uh, um, you can find my personal um, my personal accounts via those the Love Rosie podcast accounts. So same here. And anything that is not on Love Rosie Pod for me is at LukeAllen.co.uk. If I remember mm-hmm. to update that. Um, but yeah, that's that's us. Uh, that's it. Thank listening, you for listening. Um, stay tuned for next week. Yeah. And check out our socials to find out whatever our question of the week is for whatever week you're listening. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bye. Bye. (laughs)
I just waved. They can't see me wave. Bye. <laughs> The Love Rosie podcast theme is performed by Ethan O'Mahony and is a cover of Reprise from the Love Rosie soundtrack, originally composed by Ralph Regenmayer. The Love Rosie podcast is produced by Bottle It Productions and is distributed by Lemon Drop Studio. For more podcasts and blogs, visit lemondrops.com.